Bread Picks! It's Bread Picks! With Brendan and Jason, pick a British movie and then watch it and then talk about it! Bread Picks! We got some production value on this shitter. Oh, it sounds real good. They're doing that. They're doing that show again at our house, aren't they? I don't understand. They said they weren't coming back next week. I didn't know they are. They're coming in the door right now. Oh, for fuck's sakes! Hey, what are you boys doing? You doing another fucking podcast? Yeah, we got uh, we got to watch Brendan's pick this week. Oh, uh, fucking Brendan! I'll tell you. At least it's not Jason again. Yeah, fuck that guy. That sexy beast movie. That didn't ring true at all. That didn't make no sense to me. I'm nobody. I'm no fucking talks like that. Nobody. Nobody's ever called me Spunk Monkey. Just ever lived to tell the tale. Anyways. Listen to me. Listen to me. I've never been shot. And then laid under a pool after I'm already dead and then smoked a cigarette. Not guys, once. Guys, these movies... We're not watching these movies as a criticism of you. We just literally need your space. Oi. Hey, how come he always stays quiet during these arguments? Well, he's he's not a talkative guy outside of podcasts. He's very quiet. Uh, he, he wears a beard. So. Oh, I'll crack you in the fucking skull. Yeah, I, I want a shot too. I want to beat your fucking face in. You look at you with your fucking bully ass. <laughs> you don't got no head, do you? Look... That's a sensitive topic, my friend. Just, just back up. We just want to use the house. Jeez, Jeez, you guys can watch. Jeez, make them go away. Brendan, just let me handle this. Oh, yeah, you would. Yeah, Brendan, put it off for Jason. You do everything else, Brendan, but you want Jason to defend you. <laughs> That's not fair, guys. We just want to record a podcast. You guys are welcome to watch, but you got to sit down and you got to shut up. Listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna do your fucking. We can do your fucking intro. What's this? What's this, Nigel? Is that your name, Nigel? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, Clive, or whatever. Here's the intro. You ready for this? Yeah. Alright. Hey, here's a couple of buggers, and they're gonna do a fucking stupid show about British things, and they're not even British. They're not even fucking British. I've never seen the inside of a British home. And they're, their shit was called For Stupid and Dumber. And dumb fucks. Ah! <laughs> Alright, let's go get a brew. Yeah, let's go get it. You guys get at the table now. I don't know why they insist on sitting at our mic table. Why did they? Why did they? We didn't ask them to do the introduction. Hey, it's free. It was free for you guys. Uh, All right, just go get your beers, Jesus. And we All got, right. and I, I think we both got anonymous emails about doing this at this location, which we both thought was weird. I mean, it was weird, but you know what? You, when you're a, a, a low budget podcast like ours, you know, you need to take the opportunities to present themselves. I mean, I guess two million dollars is low budget, but yeah, well, I mean, there, there are costs associated with this this job, you know. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to keep driving my Ferrari if I don't have a paycheck, Brendan? Yeah, well, you better crack another one open so you can drive it. That's the plan. Don't drink and drive, guys. This is a podcast. About movies. Of a British nature. And this week... We usually... We usually talk about the BFI top one. But not this week. Not this week. Because I'm Brendan. Ah... And I'm Jason. I'm, all, I'm setting him up for all the lines when he's got a mouthful of beer. Uh, and uh, we are... So again, we usually talk about the British Film Institute top 100 British films of all time. Mm-hmm. However, uh, this week and last week, and it's going to continue again in a little bit, uh, we are talking about British movies that we picked. Yeah, because so, we are people and we have likes and desires and sometimes we want to watch a movie that we fucking chose, people. Yeah, we just want to take a little break. Exactly. So we, we, had, uh, we had a, a Brit pick last week. Brit pick. And then we had a bread bag this week. 
And then next week, we'll have a little something else for the holidays. And then when we come back after Christmas, we'll have one more bread pick from the audience. Yeah. Woo! One more what from the audience? Bread pick! That's right. So this week was my bread pick. Last week, we talked about Sexy Beast. And this mm-hmm. week, I chose the film Happy Go Lucky. So yes, I brought this movie, which I had seen once before, and I remember liking, um, and it's 2008. Now, what was the circumstances of you seeing this movie? Oh, okay. Well, I actually saw this when I was going to UNB. Mm-hmm. They had a uh, University of New Brunswick. I guess mm-hmm. not everybody knows what that is. Uh, they had a uh, Monday night film series. Oh, yes. absolutely. I, I saw storytelling at a Monday night film series. There you go. Um, so it's like, you know, mostly, well, no, mo- not mostly. It's always movies that just didn't play here at the like theater. Storytelling. <laughs> like storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> like storytelling. And I've seen like a number of those of these movies, um, and yeah, it's always just like a nice little thing. Like, mm. hey, this town didn't get Happy Go Lucky, which got a lot of uh, buzz about Sally Hawkins, which we'll talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to go, and I just went by myself, just wanted to watch it, and I remember really liking it. And then I watched it again, and then I then I was like, holy shit, I really liked it. Yeah, me too, man. So th- Sorry, spoiler, folks, but we both like this movie a lot. A lot. <laughs> so just to get uh, the cast, go through the cast Tell here. me who is in this movie, Brendan. Well, we've got the lovely Sally Hawkins mm-hmm. as Poppy. Mm. We got Eddie Marson playing Scott. Mm-hmm. Alexis Ziegerman playing Zoe. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Jason. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Eddie Marzan just has such lovely British teeth. I couldn't help... Uh... <laughs> Andrea Riseborough as Dawn. By the way, the, the reason I know who Andrea Riseborough is is because she's the one who had sex with Emma Stone in a movie. Which one? Battle of the Sexes. Oh. That movie had a, had a lesbian sex scene in it? Well, they did, went to... They did, had, did some stuff. You must have filled in a few uh, holes, so to speak. I did. Sinead Matthews as Alice... And last but not least, we might as well include him, Samuel Roken as Tim. Is that the boyfriend? Yeah. So this movie, again, Mike Lee. We've talked about Mike Lee. Yeah. We did. Uh, we talked about Life is Sweet. Which was a wonderful movie of its own. Yep. And so we talked a lot about Mike Lee's kind of style of improvis- improvisation, about gathering all his actors together for weeks on end. Going through what he wants to accomplish with the story and getting a lot of heavy input from the performers to make the, the dialogue more natural, more, you know, that they're already meeting each other so they're not acting. You can't tell they're just actors meeting each other yeah. for the first time. Um, no, it is, uh, it is a, like, like Life is Sweet. This is a movie that feels very genuine because of its dialogue that is so real. So this is, I want to note too, this is the most upbeat thing that Mike Lee has ever directed. Mm-hmm. It's a very upbeat movie. Oh, there, yeah. are, there are things in it, but sure. it's very upbeat. And this is, um, yeah, because every one of his movies, if you want to go polar opposites, you can go this and that movie Naked, which I almost <laughs> picked for this. And then I thought maybe right after Sexy Beast, we need something a little lighter. Yeah, we need to bring, bring it up a bit. <laughs> um, so one thing I want to mention here before we really get going is, uh, well, actually, 
we're going to get right into this. Sally Hawkins in this Wonderful. movie. Wonderful performance. Absolutely. One of the most bubbly, like, realistic performance I've seen in a long time. Because I know people like her. Mm. I've, I've met people in my life that have that kind of, like, effervescence that she has. This need to go out and talk to people. To, and and I, I envy it. I, I've worked in retail a long time, so I fucking hate people. And I hate every last one of our fans oh. as much as... No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Because you like me. You like me for what I am. You don't, you don't get mad because I deny you cigarettes because you didn't bring an ID, you dickhead. Are you sure they don't? I'm, I mean, unless they've come to me to buy cigarettes and I've denied them because they didn't have an ID, the dickheads. But for reals, I love you guys. But yeah, no, I, 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 I envy her ability to go out and just talk to anybody and to kind of like get to get to the center of what's going on. Like like trying to, to she's quite skilled at piercing through people's veils. Although ironically, when the movie starts out, she has a guy that she has a real hard time piercing through his veil, a, a very hipster bookstore guy. Well, that's a very um, that's a very kind of clever way to start in yeah. a movie where she's able to kind of get through to people. Yeah. Um, why don't we just listen to a little bit of that? Because you Please. can kind of hear her awkward, one-sided uh, conversation as she goes into this bookstore trying to make conversation with the, uh, the owner. You really get a sense of what she's like. Busy. Hello. <gasps> Having a bad day? No. Oh. <gasps> Not till I showed up, eh? <gasps> Looked like a rabbit caught in the headlights. I won't bite. Don't worry, I'm going now. <gasps> Have a good day. Stay happy. Ain't me, Luffy. Honest governor. Beep, 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 beep. So yeah, she's got this very like, and and I'm gonna say this right off the bat, and you mentioned this before we started recording. This reminded me so much of what is her name? This reminded me so much of Wendy, yes. Alison Stedman's character from Life Is Sweet. She's a very, she's definitely like a younger version, but it's almost like if you told me that like this is a younger version of what she grows up mm. to be later in Life Is Sweet, it, I totally believe that because she has this body sense of humor, mm. like she's very like quick wit, quick witted, like kind of like a like not not uh, like a vaudeville yeah. comedian. Um, and she's always like trying to light up a room and she obviously neither character takes anything seriously for more than a moment unless you know very yeah. specific scenes but for the most part she's very much like this character well she also strikes me too as a character that kind of laughs her way through social situations no matter what's going on because I have a little bit of that myself I have mm-hmm. a hard time not laughing when I'm dealing with confrontational situations especially the fuck are job. you talking about Jason <laughs> you're a dummy hmm yeah it's funny are you gonna have a problem oh yeah <laughs> you're not wrong yeah, that's right but, uh, yeah, so she definitely, like, that's how I think that she navigates the social world is because she's always laughing, she's always upbeat, she's always happy. People are more likely to kind of be upbeat and happy around her. I mean, and that's just a fact. You you know this in your life as well as I do. When people are shitty around you, you feel shitty. And when people are cool and happy around you, you feel happy. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's just how it works. She propagates that through her entire life. And, I mean, Sally Hawkins, I mean, performing this character, uh, this is a performance that... Not only like acting wise, just the dialogue she's saying, but even physically, like even in the opening scene mm. where you see her riding her bike through the town and you see the opening credits, even then you see her like looking at everything yes. and reacting to everything. Like you even see her waving at somebody. We don't see them, but yeah. you see her waving at someone and being like, you know, laughing and stuff. Does she know who that person is? Probably yeah. not. 
Probably yeah. not. She's taking everything in, though, and trying not to let anything pass her by. And she, she's clearly a colorful person. And, and throughout the movie, I don't know if you noticed this, but like this is a very colorful movie. This is, um, oh, yeah. if we look at Life is Sweet as a comparison point, soundtrack very similar, very upbeat, a lot of woodwinds, and also uh, very colorful. And you'll notice throughout the movie that despite the fact that everything is very colorful, she, um, Poppy is always the most colorful character on screen. She's always wearing the most colorful clothes and just stands out. And and, and I think that's Mike Lee obviously trying to make that the idea of her lighting up the room is partly because she's just so bright and colorful. Yeah, she literally lights up the yeah. room. Like, um, <laughs> and I mean, and then you get another side of her too, kind of, because you get a sense early on that she's not... She, I've got this theory that she might secretly be an alcoholic yes there's definitely that's definitely a possibility because <laughs> she we do see her drinking a lot yes but it's one of those movies where you know you get a, a, a movie that's written a little lesser than where you see somebody like you know just slamming them back and yeah. you're like okay movie i get it like every scene right and well her like, sister later in the movie calls her out on that and it's like you can't be going out and drinking every night yeah i mean they quickly brush that aside yes. by saying like no no she doesn't she's an adult yeah. but <laughs> Also, like, yeah, every socializing scene, you see her drinking. You see her drunk in a couple scenes. Early on in the movie, we see her and her friends stoned. And it, well, and the best part of this is because you get a nice view of, of different types of stone. Most of them are all giggly stoned, except for her younger sister, who is just the totally zonked stone. Yeah. She's, like, looking at her hands and shit. Like, like I can't <laughs> handle life right yeah. now. <laughs> Which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she even mentions, like, even in that opening scene in the bookstore, she sees a book called Road to Reality, and she's like, oh, don't want to go down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. Like, I, I just, I love her in this movie. I love her that uh, she's making jokes to herself, because I sometimes do that in my own head to me. You know? And that's another, that's another comparison point with Wendy from Life is Sweet. Yeah. She's always, like, joking kind of quietly to herself, little asides. And she's like, I think a lesser actor could have like ruined this whole movie yeah. because if if you if you for one second find this character annoying that's it and that's then that was part of my thought was that like oh is this woman gonna be super annoying throughout this whole movie but no it turns out she's not at all she's and just I, so lovely and i actually thought about that when i when i picked this movie yeah. i was like oh jason's either gonna be like i'm on board or fuck yeah yeah <laughs> no and that's and that's what it ended up being i just was on board thankfully because she's wonderful yeah uh oh. we should also mention too we learn early on her job uh, well, first off, we see her. We see her. She goes out. We see her meet up with her friends. She parties. She gets drunk. She gets stoned. They have a lovely night. She's a kindergarten teacher. She's a kindergarten teacher, and and that is not revealed until there's a scene early on where they're like, "What are we gonna do today?" And they're like, mm, and then they start talking about birds and like, "What? Are you, what, are you, what are they doing?" Mm-hmm. And then they end up like making these, um, like, t- taking these paper bags and cutting them up and adding all frills to them and making bird heads. And then she comes downstairs at one point with the bird head on and a cape around her shoulders or like a blanket. And I'm like, okay, are they meth addicts? Like, do they have nothing else to do? That they're just going to sit here and make crafts all day? And then, no, it turns out they're just primers. That would have been teachers. quite the twist. That would have been quite See, the twist. that would have been like any other Mike Lee movie. But that's, but that's the thing, is that my in, in my cynical 2019 mind, I'm yeah. seeing all this happy stuff going on, and I'm thinking, okay, where's the dark twist? Where's the murder? Where's the rape? There's something awful that's going to happen that's going to penetrate this veil of happiness that we have. And there's really not that in the movie. There's a few darker moments. I mean, overall, stay tuned for something much later on. Yeah, but, sure. Um, yeah, so she's a kindergarten teacher. I mean... She also, there's she's also another. Like, like, she is the perfect person to be a kindergarten teacher. Yeah, she's great. And actually, what's interesting is the, the second time, this is my second time watching it, mm-hmm. and I didn't remember that much from the first time. And leading up to that, I was like, 
I bet she's a kindergarten teacher. And then that's exactly what happened. I'm like, oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And, and the, those scenes with the kids are great because she's clearly like, obviously she's working with these kids in the scene and, yep. and they're acting real because they are. They're just doing what kids do and it's wonderful. It, it feels like being in a classroom. And I mean, uh, there's also another line I want to include here is that someone says, uh, you should ask an adult to help you. And she goes, yeah. I don't know any. Yeah. <laughs> that's very <laughs> so, true. So let's, let's kind of connect this thing with her as a kindergarten teacher to Scott, because yes. I think there's a connection here to be made because Scott is her driving instructor, a very different type of teacher, a very different type of teacher. And also, so in the class, there is kind of like, it does get a little darker in the moment where she sees a kid beating up another kid. Mm-hmm. And of course she, you know, says, why are you doing this? And we find, we come to find out this kid's being abused by his mother's boyfriend. Yeah. And this scene's handled very somber, very like, you know, very, very uh, carefully and yes. everything. But it, I get the sense because this is when she's already taken a few classes with Scott, who's mm-hmm. very strict, very... There's something wrong. Yeah. There's something off about Scott. There's some sort of mental instability. Yeah, he's the complete opposite type of teacher that she is, where she is, like, happy and wonderful and, and accepting. He is very loud and, and abrupt and, and angry. <laughs> and and I feel like... I mean, he's an incel, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, he's a, he's a total incel. I mean, he's a, a, a to the modern uh, definitions of that, like the modern era type of people. I mean, this movie's from 2008. He's definitely a proto-incel. Mm-hmm. He actually reminds me of Hitler in a lot of ways. And I don't mean that, and I don't mean that in, like, a huge Godwind, like, overall, like, this guy's Hitler. But I mean in the sense that I've been reading... You mean, in, that, you mean that in a Henry Godwin way? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously. Uh, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Anyways, um... No, he reminds me of Hitler because I'm reading uh, Ian Kershaw's biography of Hitler right now mm-hmm. and talking about Hitler as a young man and being like this kind of guy that is had very set views about how the world should be and, and was very angry about it and wasn't good with connecting with women. And I get the same kind of feeling from him. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that he would then turn into a dictator. He, I don't know that he has the charisma that, say, uh, an Adolf Hitler had for public speaking. But we don't see him public speak in the movie, so we don't know. Well, this is the connection I kind of wanted to make here, too, because the kid that she helps that's been abu- is getting abused by his uh, mother's boyfriend, I feel like she kind of makes that connection between him and Scott. Yeah. She even asked Scott if he was bullied in school. Mm. And... I mean, we should listen to Scott and their interaction the first, one of the first times they meet because you'll notice two very different people having yes. a conversation. Both are on completely different wavelengths. And, um, yeah, and, let's just... and, and, the thing about, and the thing about her is that Poppy is that no matter what happens, she tries her hardest to make the conversation work, to, to, to pierce her way through the veil, where people like me would have been like, fuck this guy and just said, pull the car over, I'm out. Fuck yeah. you. Oh, uh, she's she's patient, and I mean that's the kindergarten teacher thing. Yeah, right? You have to be patient. Absolutely. So let's listen to that. Let's listen to their their kind of back and forth here. You, Poppy. That's me. Nice to meet you. Right, the car's just here. <gasps> They're not infected. What are you like? They're clean. I just washed them specially. Honest. This it then. You get in a passenger seat. You know it's me that's learning to drive, don't you? Yeah, but we've got to talk a few things through first. Oh, have we? Fair enough. If you insist. Do you choose this colour car, Scott? Right, make yourself comfortable. Thank you. It's your car. No, it's a company's car. All right, what's your car like then? It is my car. thought you just said it was a company's car. Make your mind up. Have you got your provisional driving licence? Yep. There you go. <laughs> That's me on a bad day. Is that your real name, Pauline? That's right. <laughs> OK, everything seems to be in order. Does it? That's good. Now, have you ever had a driving lesson before? Yeah. No. Wasn't really a lesson. It was in a Cadillac in Miami. Bunny hopped down the beach. I was a bit pissed. It was hilarious. 
Well, we're not going to be pissed when we're driving this car, okay? We're not going to bunny hop. We're going to focus and concentrate. Now, I'm going to take you to a spot where we take all the learner drivers. I know. And we're going to go through what we call the cockpit drill. Oh, naughty. So, you're going to listen and take responsibility. I'll see what I can do. Okay. Put your seatbelt on. Well, do, Captain Scott. I thought it was funny. She made the Captain Scott reference, and I didn't realize that his name was Scott at that point. Mm. So I thought it was a little weird because Cap Scotty in Star Trek is not a captain until the movie. So my thought was, oh, she that deep a Trekkie? But I see what she did. <laughs> yeah. Your Star Trek knowledge came into play. Yeah, finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's so that's just an idea of like obviously. So he's very stern, and we started thinking like, oh, he's just very stern. But as he kind of continues talking about stuff, we go, oh yeah, okay. It's not so much that he's stern; he's just very angry. He's 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 racist. Yeah, he's homophobic. He's racist. We know he's racist because uh, two black dudes ride by on bicycles, and he's like, lock the doors. And he doesn't say <laughs> it. He doesn't say it like. I don't know how to say this. He doesn't say it like a typical racist person I might think says it. Like, he says it very, like, of course you would. Yeah, no. It's, like, it's, it's like, lock your door. Like lock your door. There's two of them. Lock your door. It's like it's like it's part of the lesson. Like, he's yeah. like, Enra, Enra, right turn, left turn, lock your door. Emraha, Emraha. <laughs> which is his catchphrase, which I forget what it means. It means the driving. two mirrors and the top mirror. Oh, right. It's like the golden pyramid, he said. Cause yeah. Because as we learn later on, Scott is a clearly a conspiracy theorist. He's talking about... Oh, uh, yeah. He uh, talks about the educational system. Yeah, he talks multi, about... The scourge of multiculturalism. He talks about the Washington Monument being 555 feet above the ground and 111. 666. You get it? He's like he's like Alex Jones for England, but without a radio show and is instead a driving instructor. That's right. So by the way, if you're listening, Alex Jones, you're a lovely broadcaster, but fuck you. (laughs) And that's what I think. So that's what I think. She sees this kid and she says, this could turn into this. I think she sees that connection. Like yeah. this kid, at the, it continues on this road. Yeah. It could end up being someone like Scott. Yeah, and, and that kid who's of an age, that's 2008, that kid was five. You know, this is 2019, that kid be 16 now. He'd be right in the zone for that sort of attitude and that sort of uh, approach. Exactly. So she kind of tries to nip that in the bud. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, uh, where she meets her, uh, her boyfriend. Yes, Tim. Which, by the way, okay, so as we said earlier, we talked about this, this child, this boy has been in this, uh, you know, the mother's boyfriend is beating him. Or hitting him, and he explains that, and you know they're there with them. But that scene, that, that really sensitive scene with this kid, is then immediately followed by a scene where they're fucking flirting with each other outside the gates yeah. as they try to arrange a date. And by the way, this dude Tim, who becomes her boyfriend, my nickname for him is Hot Jaws because he looks like Jaws from James Bond, but way hotter. <laughs> young, young little, young Richard Keel Jr. over here. And you know what? Just a contrast, because we just listened to those that scene between those two. Let's listen to a scene between her and Tim and see how a good match for her sounds. Yeah. What's she like then? I can't talk about it. Can't you? Why not? It's a secret. Oh, good with secrets. It's between me and her, though. Oh, fair enough. I won't pry. Who is she? I couldn't possibly. <laughs> Trust me. <gasps> She's a teacher. She's gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> I hate you already. <laughs> You've got lovely eyes. Thanks. Beautiful colour. Really? Yeah. Picked on myself. Did you? <laughs> Where from? Down the market. You're joking me. No. I'd say you got yourself a bargain there. <laughs> you got one as well. Have I? Just the one. Which one? That one. This one. Yeah. Particularly lovely, is he? He is. You don't want to upset the other one, though. Oh, no, she's all right. 
Is she? Yeah, we've had a chat about it. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, she's over the worst now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she's got other talents. Has she? Oh, yeah. What are they? So many. <laughs> she can juggle. Obviously. Yeah, it goes without saying. She can wink on demand. Really? Yeah. Let's see. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty spooky. Go on. Oh, OK, are you ready? Yeah. Oh. She is good. <laughs> This one tries to join in. Don't let him. <laughs> oh, won't. Anyway, he's lovely, so... Well, she's lovely, too. Don't try and claw your way out of it now. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. That's a healthier relationship. Much healthier. What, yeah. what, a, what a lovely scene. Just that both those personalities playing off each other, it's, it's entertaining as hell. Also, I should point out, we didn't do a summary of this movie up front, but mm. I can easily say, like, this I is I guess much, I should have mentioned that, yeah. <coughs> this is much like Life is Sweet was. This is a movie that is basically, like... Five or six weeks in the life of, of Polly. Uh, Poppy? Poppy. Well, yeah. her real name's Polly. I Paul, was being very formal with Pauline, her. but she doesn't care for that. No, she likes Poppy, so we'll mm. call her Poppy. So, yeah, no, it's about five or six weeks or so, based on the amount of lessons they have, because um, it's once a week, uh, in her life. And it's it's there's no real A plot. It's basically a, a collection of B plots. It's just, like, it's her giving driving lessons and mm-hmm. going dealing with the kid at school and with her hanging out with her friends and going to see her sister and like it's just it's just a snapshot of her life in this period I would yeah say. and well like you said this is much like life is sweet that movie didn't necessarily have a whole lot of a plot no. other than the whole snack truck thing but again that's a subplot it's all subplot but that's very yeah that's very much like these are a couple of days in the life of this family and this is a few days in the life of poppy at one point, Poppy's back is hurting, and she goes to see a chiropractor, and I didn't look him up, but that chiropractor looks really familiar. I've seen him in a million things before. Idris Elba. That's not Idris Elba. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, Brendan, you're really making things hard for me to say, keep doing this podcast with you. You can't just name any black guy. Kurt Russell. Might have been Kurt Russell. But I don't see color, so. <sighs> Jason. I have to look him up. Hold on a sec. Let me go back to Scott a little bit. Because yes. you mentioned he's definitely like a conspiracy theorist. He oh. seems like the kind of person that reads Breitbart and like all the oh, conspiracy yeah. theory websites. Well, he'd have been reading a lot of Prison Planet around this time. He also seems to believe everything he reads. Yes. Um, to the point where, which is ironic because they make him kind of be like, you know, he talks about the educational system and he says it doesn't let you question anything. It doesn't let you uh, qu- question anyone's way of thinking. And, I mean, he's doing the exact same thing. He's just reading what is written in front of him on a website. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, he's not. He's doing the exact thing that he's criticizing the educational system for doing. Wait, you didn't even have a... If this dude's name was listed in the credits, I didn't see it. I'm still trying to figure out who that guy was, the chiropractor. <laughs> I don't know. But I should mention um, while we're in the, while we're talking about Scott, I, I want to mention a little bit uh, kind of behind the scenes of the, their scenes together. Yeah. They're really driving. Yeah. The all the scenes with Scott and Poppy, they're driving down the road, and they're driving in real streets in front of real people, and they're just. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Morrison is driving while acting as a different yeah. character, which is more difficult than you think. I imagine. But yeah, that's, that's really cool because they've got like, I don't know, there's like five cameras jammed in the car and then yep. Mike Lee on the back seat. Mike, Mike Lee's literally wedged between the front seats sometimes. 
And, you know, because of his usual style, he had a few basic premise points for them to hit. But, again, largely imp- improvised uh, scenes between them. And you can see that because there are, there are long scenes of just one shot yep. of the car. Of just them talking back and forth and reacting to everything going on around them. So the funny thing is when Eddie Marson read the script, Eddie Marson, of course, plays Scott, he actually thought that this was a really heavy drama because he <laughs> read all of his lines. Yeah. And he read her lines, too, but like her, or not... He read the lines that Mike Lee had written for him. He read the script. And he read what, you know, Sally Hawkins was roughly going to say. And he read this and he's just like, this is really dark. Like, this whole movie is so dark. And then it wasn't until they actually got into the rehearsals, and then especially when they started filming, that he was like, oh, Sally Hawkins' character is very funny. So the stuff I'm saying is very dark, but it doesn't necessarily mean the movie is dark. Like, he thought his character's dialogue was like, the tone of the film, which is like holy Not the shit! Case at all. <laughs> that is one dark movie. Absolutely, no. And and this guy, by the way, Eddie Marzan, you're wonderful in this movie. Oh, he's you're listening right now. You're wonderful. He is a character that I. I mean, I, I, I love his performance. His character is not. Oh good. no, his character is a total shitbag, but he's great. Yeah, uh, the very antithesis of her character. And and I, his his racism. I love that it was just so sudden. Like, like where he's just like, he's just kind of an asshole up until that point where it's like, oh, this, look at this guy. He's kind of a dickhead. And it's just like structural. Like, it's just so like, it's so like, locky door, locky door. Like we talked about, it's very like, it's just, he doesn't see what's wrong with part of the, hey, if you're driving and you see black dudes on bicycles, you just lock your door. That's the, that's in the book. It's in the handbook. (laughs) And so like there, the conclusion to kind of their back and forth is he starts to get more and more aggressive to the point where he sees her. Um, she even talks about her flatmate, her female flatmate, and he makes this assumption that they're lesbians. Yes. And she's just kind of like, yeah, sure. But that's it. And then watching the movie, because I was wondering that too a little bit watching the movie, but maybe that's the the man in me that I assume. But And then I, I have to remember that, oh yeah, women are much more open about like cuddling with each other and holding hands and doing stuff than dudes are. Yeah. Um, well, except for us. Except We're for very us. Open. We, we, we cuddle through the entire podcast, if you hadn't figured out, because we uh, we have to use one mic. So. Cuddle and finger. That's right. Well, but that's, look, that's for us. That's not for them. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we don't do that. We should, we'll, we'll cut that out. Uh, Sure. All right. Good man. Now we should come back in right okay. about uh, now. And fingering. Oh, sorry. Nope, I fucked that's up. not what okay, we're doing. Okay, I'll try it again. That's later. Let's do this okay, now. Okay, okay. And, and cuddle. We like cuddling. Mm. Mm. Poof, good thing I cut all that other stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, their, their conclusion to their whole, like, back and forth, because there's other parts of this movie we need to talk about. Yeah. But... So their thing is, she's coming home from uh, going to her sister's, whose sister, her, her other sister is pregnant, Helen, yes. uh, who we'll talk about it a bit, but she's coming home from that, and she sees Scott just kind of standing on the corner, and then yeah. she notices him, and he quickly runs away. Just like just like a weirdo, just hanging out in the street, and then he turns tail, and he like full on like takes off running. Yeah, and then he tries <laughs> to say like, oh no, I was visiting my mother, I wasn't even there. You can I'm even gonna... call her. And she's like, you have a twin or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, So... Um, he, and, and, the, and and also we got to point out he never admits that he was there never right to the very end of the movie that's the craziest thing is that they have this breakdown of which I'm definitely going to play here in a second yeah. but they have this breakdown where he accuses her of the wildest stuff yeah. and keep in mind she's not done anything outside of what you heard in that scene earlier like the whole thing where she's just like making jokes and stuff yeah. that's the extent yeah and he's he's criticized her for her boots. Yeah. He's criticized her for not paying attention. Yeah. 
He's Which, to be fair, to, to give Scott whatever little credit he deserves, as a driving instructor, many of the things he's saying are correct, and Poppy is kind of like do you taking think she's, it not so seriously. Do you think she's really doing that bad, though? I feel like no, she's doing I, okay. No, but I feel like as an, specifically from the perspective of being a driving instructor, it could be frustrating to deal with a person who doesn't seem like they're taking it seriously, even if they are, and that's yeah. just their personality. It must be difficult, because it's like, yeah, you're in a vehicle that could kill people. So the tipping point, though, is that he sees her kissing her boyfriend. Yes. And now we know, okay, he thinks they were going to become a thing. Yeah. I, which I, is the weird line yeah, of thinking. It's that weird line of thinking because it's like, well, dude, you don't have a very nice personality. Like, you, the idea that she would be interested in you, I mean, given of how you've conducted yourself and various driving lessons of yelling at her and it's telling that, her to, you know. It's that age-old thing of, like, certain type of guy thinks that just because a girl's nice to him mm-hmm. means she wants to fuck him. Yeah. And let's just... We've all been there, Brendan. (laughs) I mean, I didn't react the way Scott did. No, certainly not. Didn't go on a racist rant. (laughs) Well, let's let's play the scene of... um Of Scott just kind of having his full breakdown. So basically what happens is he sees her kissing her boyfriend. He... Um, he gets very bad. He get drives like crazy. Yeah, like he he's does, driving. He's really recklessly. bad for a driving instructor. As soon as she he stops, she takes the keys and is like, "You are not driving." This is the first time in the movie where we see Poppy scared. Yeah. No, well, I think you could argue she's scared in one other scene. Which one? The homeless person scene. She is, but she also pushes through it and, and yeah. quickly gets over it. But this we'll the, talk about that. I'd say this scene. I'd say this is the first scene too where she actually shows a little bit of aggression. Yeah. Like, I think this is the only scene in the movie where she starts to get a little mad. This is, like, the most out there the other way she goes. Yeah. And, I th- and and so she takes his keys. He gets very angry. He chases her around the yeah, car. literally running around the fucking car. Like, like, he's going to, like, I don't know, hit her or something? Yeah. He's very aggressive. Well, he already did. Because he was, like, Yeah, he grabs her. her. Like, in the car, she grabs his keys. And then he starts, like, he grabs her and is grabbing her ponytail and kind of, like, beating on her. And- oh, yeah. Like, he full-on grabs her. So... This is the scene of when he just finally has his breakdown. So let's listen to this. Do you want me to go to the police? Do you? Right. So let's just calm down, shall we? Okay. We're just disturbing the peace here. I just want to get in my car. And drive away. I'm sorry, Scott, that's not gonna happen. Oh, Jesus Christ, Papa, you're doing it again. You never give up, do you? You never give in for fuck's sake, you fucking Scott, bitch. he needs help. Don't patronize me. I'm not patronizing you. Yes, you, you are patronizing me. You're always patronizing me. This is what you always wanted. This is what you set out to achieve. This is the game you play. You prodded me, you poked me, you stroked me, you teased me, you flirted with me, you sucked me in. You wore your high heel boots and your short skirt and your low cut top and you flashed your tits, you tossed your hair, you played with a gear stick, you lied to me. This is all about you. The world has to revolve around you. I'm a driving instructor. I just wanted to do my job. You had no intention of learning how to drive. You got in that car with one thing in mind, to reel me in. And why? Because you have to be adored. You've got to be wanted. And then you drink it in and you leave me with a spring in your step and you go off and you fuck your boyfriend and you fuck your girlfriend and you all drive around in that stupid little yellow car. So this sounds like a rant uh, of someone. It's like I said, an insult. Yeah. It, it sounds like it sounds like when people are like, you know, 
oh, you just you just did this to to seduce me, and and all the things he's saying. Like if you look back and watch the movie, it's insane. Like yeah. the, none of the stuff happened. He talks about her being self centered, but that's like no, that's you that's being self centered. You are projecting whatever you think onto this situation mm. and and not looking outside yourself. And so you think it's all about you when it, clearly it's just Poppy's just trying to be nice and trying to get through to him and he mistakes it for romantic interest. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think the weirdest, I think the, uh, the saddest thing, honestly, about this whole scene is that Poppy kind of takes these comments to heart a little bit mm. when he says that you, 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 uh, you do all this stuff and then you don't mean it. Are you just trying to reel me in? You can and see that, it on her face. And that's the saddest thing, though, yeah. because she feels responsible, but she should not feel responsible. No, not for his bullshit. No, and it's like it's like she she says it's almost like when like I've had a female friend that I mean so, uh, anecdote time. Yeah, I have I had a female friend who you know she's very nice to everyone mm. over maybe overly nice. She's yeah. very she hugs. You know, everyone, like everything like that. She had a uh, male friend who thought that was a little more than it was and, you know, made some advances. And she was like, whoa. And then she kind of told me, like, well, maybe I shouldn't be so friendly. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. It's not your fault. No, not at all. And if someone like if someone is not reading that properly, yeah. that is not your fault. And the fact that you then laid it out there and made it clear at that point, if they don't go away, then there's an issue. Obviously, exactly. That's, that's an issue with them though, not with you. And that is the thing though. Even but in this movie, there's no point where she's giving up hugs. She's not like, oh, I love you. Blah blah. Like yeah, she's not. She's not super touchy with people outside of her roommate, which I think she's got a bit of a broad city style crush on her roommate, uh, like, <laughs> like uh, Alana does on Abby. Which, you know what, if they do, that's perfectly fine. Oh, They're both consenting adults. Oh, yeah, they can do whatever they want. But it's just, it's funny. Because she keeps talking about, like, how it's like, oh, I would be happy if I was whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's just kind of, that's kind of their, their break, the breakdown of their relationship. And then, of course, we find out that she didn't even report him because she says, oh, what good will that do? Yeah. And, and that's, again, that's like the, the niceness in her. The idea, it's like, well, reporting him is not going to solve these problems. Yeah, her idea is that, like, yes, it will maybe prevent it from happening in the future. I'm sure she's thought about this. But also, she's all about helping someone with their problems. And if she does that, how is that going to help them with their problems? It's a complicated thing that I don't know if I fully agree with. But for her character, I can see her doing it. 2019 Jason would say to 2008 Poppy, maybe you should report him because mm. this is going to be a problem. <laughs> well, it's going to happen to someone else. Yeah. Odds are if it happened to you. Well, what if what if you know what if he gets in the car? What if Scott gets in the car with you know an impressionable teenager and starts going off on his theories and you know directs them to this sort of information and it ends up turning them into a terrible, terrible person? <laughs> right. So I mean, their relationship aside—that's their crazy whirlwind story. Yeah. The other thing I want to get into is her scene, one of the best scenes in the movie, I think anyway, is my opinion, this is my favorite scene, is her scene where she encounters a homeless person. Yes. And he is, you know, he's ranting unintelligibly, and she is like, well, I want to play this. I know we played a lot of clips, but I want to play this clip because she's kind of responding to his unintelligible stuff Mm -hmm. at the risk of her own safety because you don't know what's what's with this guy. And I I wonder, it's like... It's funny because, like, in any other situation, like, if it was me in that situation, I'd just be like, oh, hey, man, and then, like, walk away and then move on with my day. But but she, there's something about her that compels her to try. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating about it, and that's what we're going to hear in this scene is her doing her best. It's, 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 it's... Isn't it just... You know, you know, it's... You know, they, 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 they... Do they? They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not. You know? No. Are you warm enough? 
I know I said that I was leaving. That's nice. Is he? You know, he's... Oh, no. What is he? He's a prick. Oh, <laughs> I know you. There you go. Yeah, so I'd argue she's a little scared in that scene, she but is. she persists though. She goes through it. Like I, I don't know that I've ever seen a character in film quite as much of what you could describe as an empath. As, as Poppy, like she really, she's responding to his emotions mm. more than what he's saying. She's listening to how he's saying it and then responding in kind. Yeah, like he, like when, like what you heard, if he's yeah. like, he's, 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 and she's like, he's what? He is, yeah, he is. Like she's, oh, yeah, she's is. kind of giving him positive reinforcement yeah. to kind of make it so that he doesn't feel like he's, I guess it's almost like, so he doesn't feel like he's saying gibberish. It's it's like when you talk to a child uh, that doesn't speak well and you just agree with them and kind of like go along and then that, you know, that it, it fosters that reinforcement of them like thinking, at least thinking that you're understanding them and, and they feel comfortable because of it. I think that's what she's trying to do, much as she would work with children. Yeah, exactly. I have that written down too, is the way she's yeah. able to communicate with children has a lot to do with this. And in this scene, she also kind of faces something for the first time is that he kind of turns down her charity. Yeah. She offers to give him money for food, and he's like, he's like, no, no. Yeah, he literally just says, no, and then kind of walks away, like shuffles yeah. away. And she kind of is taken a little back by that. So, yeah. yeah. It's a really good scene. It's even, pro- even a mentally disturbed like, guy like that, maybe he still has pride, you know? He, yeah. He's like, no, no, I'm not taking that tonight. Um, so, I mean... Uh, the other thing is, uh, I mean, all of this comes back to Poppy, because, like I said, she, I think... Uh, I'm sure she's in every single scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is her movie for sure. We we follow her through the whole thing. Yeah. And why don't we talk a little bit about maybe her like her her relationships with her family and friends? Because, I mean, the, we have the contrast between her and Zoe, which mm-hmm. is her roommate. Yeah. They're they're kind of like she's kind of optimistic too, but she's she is, not. But she's a little more like she's been through some shit. She's a little more practical, I think. Than yeah, she's she's a little more reserved. I mean, and the they're best a good ex- pair that way. Yeah, I mean the best example of that is when they're in the physiotherapy clinic and she sees that guy and she, you know, she says, "Oh, is it your is it your back?" And he just kind of gives her a look and she's like, "Oh, it's affecting your mood too, I see." Yeah. But she does it in a way like if Poppy said that, yeah. it would be like a little funny. Yeah. Whereas Zoe says that, it's like, "Oh, she's a little she's a little yeah. sarcastic." It's an accurate observation is a little bit sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's lovely. She uh, reminds me of like if, if Maisie Williams was about ten or fifteen years older. She, that's what I feel like she'd be like. <laughs> she appears to be going through the motions a little bit too as a kindergarten teacher. She's not totally into it like Poppy is. I don't think. No. Uh, but she does get into the arts and crafts thing. Yeah, no, she clearly likes that stuff because the fact that they do it outside and they seem to be having a grand time doing it, they can take that fun and then you know pass it on to their students. Right. Now, where where they can't pass on the drinking and the smoking of weed, they can pass on the delight of making a chicken head. Yes. Which is what we all want to do with our children. We don't smoke weed with kindergarten classes? Not since the 1986 Anti-Kindergarten Cannabis Act. I've got some phone Brian calls Mulroney. to make. God damn you, Mulroney. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it's interesting, too, because you see a lot, you see her a little bit of her family dynamic. And her family seems to be pretty supportive outside of Helen. Yeah. 
Helen is her sister who has become pregnant. And Helen is all grown up, as they say. Yes. She is adulting she the is, shit out of her life. She has a much more practical approach to life, but she also has that judginess that often siblings can have. And, I, and that's not a shot at my brother. Jamie, if you're listening, which I know you're not, that's not a shot at you. Because um, I, I I know you have no interest in British films. If we were talking about Star Trek Next Generation, maybe you would have listened to it, but that's not a shot at you. But siblings sometimes can be judgy. Regan? What if, what if we were talking about... Star Trek The Next Generation. Can we? Well, if we do it like that. Star Trek The Next Generation. Hey, Patrick Stewart's British. That's close enough. He is incredibly British. Despite the fact that he plays a Frenchman on uh, TNG. (laughs) Really? Yeah, Jean-Luc Picard. You don't think that's a French name? But he has a British accent. He is, but he's from France and he has the Chateau Picard, which is a French winery. He's as much from France as the Coneheads are from France. (laughs) He loves to hand out beer and fried eggs on Halloween. It's a small town in France. (laughs) <laughs> Enjoy our roasted chicken embryos. Mm. Consume mass quantities. Okay, before I get sued by Laura Michaels, let's continue. Um, why don't we listen to Helen? Yeah. Okay, I got a lot of clips, but I feel like these are all good clips. Yeah, let's hear her and her approach to things and how Poppy responds. You want a baby though, don't you, Poppy? No thanks, I've just had a kebab. I don't mean that, eventually. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? At 35 you're considered a high-risk mum. Oh, give me a chance, I've just turned 30. 25 years away. You've got to make plans. What, five-year plan? Like Stalin? When are you going to get on the property ladder? Oh, I need to step up first. You've got to get yourself a mortgage. We don't want the hassle. You really need to invest your savings. Oh, I'll just stuff mine under the mattress, Helen. Have you got yourself a pension yet? You've got to be joking. Have you got a pension? Of course, we've both got pensions, haven't we, Jamie? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Where'd you keep your summer frames? You've got to take life seriously, Poppy. Have I? You can't go on getting drunk every night, partying, however much fun it is. I don't get drunk every night, do we? No, she's an adult now. Your big sister. Unfortunately. You have to take responsibility, Poppy. <sighs> OK, take it easy, darling. I'm taking it easy. I just want you to be happy, that's all. I am happy. I don't think you are. I am. I love my life. Yeah, it can be tough at times. That's part of it, isn't it? I've got a great job, brilliant kids, lovely flat. I've got her to look at. <laughs> I've got amazing friends. I love my freedom. I'm a very lucky lady, I know that. All right, there's no need to rub it in. What? What am I rubbing in? I know what you're saying. What am I saying? You think I've taken the easy option. Hey. Hang on, Helen, she didn't say that. That's what she meant. No, I didn't. No, you're just blatantly insecure about your own life. All right, so... That's not true, Susie. Well, then why are you trying to control everyone else? I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Whatever, you're boring Leave it out, Susie. Why are you attacking me? It's not fair. No one's attacking you, Helen. I'm attacking you, hell. I love that the younger sister is like, oh, whatever, you're boring me. Pregnant women are so emotional. Yeah, well, is like this is the, again the difference between this and a lesser movie is that despite Helen, like her sister Helen, who's pregnant, has a husband and everything, she's telling her to grow up and everything. So obviously she's seen as some sort of a villain. She certainly thinks of herself as a grown up and thinks that her sister, her older sister, should be more grown up. Yeah, but the thing, like I said, the thing is like. She's, she's, I mean, a villain, quote unquote, yeah. but like she's still got like a ra- well rounded thing to her yeah. character. Like, we see obviously that she's very insecure. She's insecure, but and she's, not, she's, and she's not a bad person at all. No, she's judgmental. She's very controlling yeah. because I think she doesn't have control over her own life. Mm. She controls her poor boyfriend. Yeah. By the way, we got to point this out. Just wants to play PlayStation. Exactly. She, he just wants to turn the PlayStation on so that he and the younger sister can play a little PlayStation, and she tells him not to. And that is bullshit because if I was with my wife, I know that my wife, beautiful, wonderful wife, would never tell me not to play the PlayStation with my friends or with my friend's sisters. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got Sonic the Hedgehog and Splinter Cell. Exactly. That's a lot of fun to be had in those games. They're not multiplayer, but you could have, well, I guess Splinter Cell is. Well, someone could, be, someone could be Tails. Yeah, exactly. Somebody can be Tails. That was always the worst day when you had to be Tails. Yeah, yeah. I'm out, I'm out. Can you wait till I come back? No, I'm fucking playing Sonic. You, you suck. Just come back eventually, so. <laughs> I'm still swinging in. Wait till I land. That still works. I don't know if you played Sonic Mania, but it's, uh, it's great. I have not. That. Well, you should. Okay. Well, I will. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's her. That's kind of her family. Uh, family dynamics. And I mean, we talked about her and Scott. We talked about the homeless person scene. The boyfriend is really cool, and I enjoy their scenes together. It's all very genuine. Especially their sex scene strikes me as very genuine because there's a lot of laughter in that. Now, obviously, a lot of that is because Poppy. But but it's not treated like a Hollywood sex no. scene at all no it's more realistic it's awkward it's awkward it's, it's funny. funny it's not particularly sexy no <laughs> it's very like but they're clearly having a great time yeah yeah it's it's it seems near real that's the thing man i think i think he this guy i've only seen three movies from him and obviously naked i saw like quite a while ago yeah. But, man, these last two movies I've seen from Mike Lee, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. He's, he's an incredibly talented man. Incredibly talented with, like, a number of different styles. I mean, this is... I mean, you could say this is pretty much worlds apart from Life is Sweet, despite similarities. It's, I, I think there's a lot of similarities. Life is Sweet is a little darker in places, obviously, and there's no chocolate sex. But at the same time, it's got a similar, like, look, and it's got a similar feel with the music and everything. And the, the fact that the, the actors improv, and it all feels very genuine. Yeah, I mean, do you have any other, th- other points you want to bring up about uh, Happy Go Lucky? Cause I'm sure I just that- want to say, Brendan, that, that uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago when it was my quote-unquote birthday episode because it dropped on my birthday. But today we're actually recording on my birthday. Mm-hmm. And this was a wonderful movie to watch on my birthday because I came away from it feeling so happy and, and I really enjoyed this piece. And I appreciate you picking a movie that was so lovely. I'm I'm really happy that you got to watch something that wasn't a piece of shit on your birthday. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> a little behind the curtain, uh, Jason watched this today. <laughs> well, I finished it today. I watched some of it last night and finished it this morning. It was a two-night oh. television event, much like Gandhi. Right. So I wanted to also say, before we kind of you know get into the nitty-gritty here, I kind of appreciate that this is a movie where... I mean, sure, we get very faint glimpses that Poppy might drink too much. She might have some little depression issues, maybe. Maybe, but but I, what I like about this movie is that they don't do that as much as an av- a regular movie would do that. I feel like if anyone else directed this movie, mm-hmm. there it'd be much more obvious about yeah. her being overly happy because she's not able to deal with stuff. Yeah, it'd be much more like like her compensating for the many deep flaws she has. Exactly. See that. And maybe that's what's happening, yeah. but I like that we don't see it. And I mean, that's nothing against that type of movie. There's a perfectly good movie in that concept. Sure. I, I just feel like watching. it's such a common thing. Yeah, really. it is a common thing. It's, it's a, nice to see something that is just positive. Also. Exactly. It's like I said, like it's, it's like those movies where they... To show that someone's an alcoholic, just every scene they're just drinking. Yeah. And it's like there's other ways, subtle ways to do that. And I feel like this movie is kind of trying to tell us that she's an alcoholic, but is doing it in a more subtle way. It, well, it doesn't in a way that it's it doesn't define her, and it's not, and it's like, we know she's a lovely person, and it doesn't mean she's a bad person because she maybe drinks too much. Well, yeah, and it's not like this is not Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. No. Like, she's not actually having, like, a breakdown. or no. She's not like, I'm going to kill myself over the next three days in Vegas. <laughs> That's Which, what happens. It would have been a good movie, too. I'm sure Sally Hawkins would have been lovely in that. <laughs> As Nicolas Cage? Mm-hmm. Or Elizabeth Shue, the prostitute with a heart of gold? 
She want oh you want her to dual role. Oh shit, that sex scene's gonna be hot. That's right. <laughs> I would love to be there for filming that in, in the sixteen hours that it would take. <laughs> so much CGI. Mike Lee is not comfortable with the amount can, of CGI. Can we get the Sally double in here? <coughs> Sally, we found a girl that looks exactly like you. S- sir, we only have Jane Horrocks. Well, it'll have to do. You're racist. Shut up. Why are you still in character? <laughs> we did that movie almost 20 years ago. Get over yourself. It's funny. I think when we recorded that episode, we also had a joke about her still being in character. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we don't remember anything. No, we don't. That's why we do a podcast. Exactly. So we have it on record and when people can ask us about it, hopefully. That's my that's my goal, Brendan. That we get to the point where we're famous enough that people say, oh, in episode 42, you said this. And I'll be like, I have no recollection of that. Dude, pe- that already happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People will mention something that we mentioned that we said in an episode, and I'll just say, "Oh yeah, like <laughs> I don't remember." Because spoiler alert, guys, we record these about a month in advance. Mm-hmm. So if you're just listening to an episode now, if you're listening to this episode now, odds are we don't remember anything in this episode. We remember nothing. I've just smoked it all away. Other than this is a great fucking movie. It is. Um, I don't know what the budget was. I couldn't find out that information, but it, it did make. 11.7 million pounds at the box office. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's not a huge budget. Not a so massive hit, but respectable. Probably did okay. Um, surprisingly, at the Oscars, Sally Hawkins does not get an area nomination. She does win the Golden Globe for Best Actress. Awesome. For either, a comedy or musical. It. Yeah. I mean, I'd say this is a comedy. Yeah. It does get nominated for one Oscar, and I think this is kind of funny. It gets nominated for Best Original Screenplay. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess there is a screenplay, but when it comes down to it, it's how much improv, of right? yeah, yeah, how much of that was improvised? It's like, it's like a it's like a ten page outline. <laughs> this might blow your mind, Jason, because this was kind of a like a little uh, a lot of a lot of critics love this movie. I mean, I think it's like ninety something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like they it got a claim across yeah. the board at the Baftas. Nothing. 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 Really? Not even Sally Hawkins. Wow, that's crazy. So I have, there's a theory about this. Um, at the Baptist, it is completely ignored. And this was the year, this was also the year that Slumdog Millionaire kind of swept. Yeah. And Mike Lee, in the past, I guess, was often critical of the Academy voting process in the, uh, in, at the BAFTAs. It's a political thing you're saying. <laughs> yep. Um, but even the writer of Slumdog Millionaire was asked about, like, why do you think, like, you know, this great movie, because he was, the writer of Slumdog Millionaire was nominated for a bunch of stuff, right? Mm. He said, why do you think this great movie, Happy Go Lucky, has kind of been overlooked? And he said, you know, the British are often suspicious of any kind of optimism. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so he kind of said, like, I feel like, he's like, I feel like this this movie, Happy Go Lucky, which is a great film, like, he didn't throw it under the bus or anything. It just felt victim to that. Yeah. And... Here's the crazy thing, though. So this this gentleman named David Parfit, he is the chair of BAFTA. He said that while he felt a gentle personal concern that Lee's film opened some time ago in Britain yeah. in April, so he was worried that you know maybe people forgot about it by then. He said distributors had made sure it was sent to ba- the BAFTA's uh, six thousand members that were casting their vote. He defended the nomin- the lack of nominations in light of Sally Hawkins' Golden Globe by saying the awards were, quote, radically different. Their awards are radically different, adding the Globes are chosen by a bunch of foreign hacks. And there's- <laughs> Jesus. And there's only around 50 of them, 
We are 6,000 industry professionals. Mike Lee has had 12 nominations over the years. So basically, like, Golden Globes are bullshit. Yeah, because they're chosen by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. We have industry professionals. Mike <laughs> Lee's already had 12 nominations. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be all right. It's like, <laughs> I hate that defense. Yeah, no, that's stupid. Of, like, somebody didn't get nominated because he's already had... A bunch of nominations. It's like saying, like, well, Martin Scorsese won for The Departed. So when The Irishman comes out this year, I don't know. Let's it's just. Like, let's even if it's the best movie ever, he already had his nomination. Yeah, so like, you, you get one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. So Sally Hawkins, obviously, she won Best Actress at yeah. the Golden Globes, which is great. Um, but weirdly, didn't get nominated at the Oscars. Didn't Eddie Marzan get nominated for something? Uh, I mean, maybe something. Guild Actors Award or it, something. Yeah, it could have been something else like that for sure. Um, but she got a ton of stuff. He got a few things. He and I mean, he's wonderful. I mean, he as far as like his acting in this movie is amazing. And here's the thing too. I had I had thought that this was going to be a movie where I loved Sally Hawkins, but not necessarily loved the movie. But the movie is fucking great. It's great. It's great. There's you you cannot go wrong by watching this thing. It is you will leave in a good mood and you will have enjoyed yourself because everybody in the movie is is interesting and and generally likable. Obviously, um, Scott, maybe not so much. Uh, if you do like Scott, uh, you might want to go visit a psychologist. Yeah, if you chat. identify with Scott, I, I'm not sure this is the movie for this you. Might, if you identify with Scott, consider this movie your wake-up call. <laughs> um, so this film was cited as one of the top, one of the ten best films of 2008 by many critics. And this mm-hmm. is just a list here. Okay. Uh, Manola Darga, Stephen Holden, A.O. Scott of the New York Times, The Globe and Mail, The Hollywood Reporter, The, uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, David Edelstein of New York, New York Daily News, Austin Chronicle, Baltimore Sun, Los Angeles Times, Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, Variety, Philadelphia Inquirer, which I might have just said twice. But all those publications said this is one of the ten best films of no 2008. No Times, no Roger Ebert on there? Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert loved it. He gave it four stars out of okay. four stars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is one of those movies that like it kind of... It kind of fucking baffles my mind that it wasn't up for any BAFTAs. Yeah. Um, I mean, we... You know, we I mean, found 2008 it. was a rough year. 2008 was a year of the financial crash. That was a year that we could have used like a really wide, positive movie to kind of lift people's spirits. And, and why wasn't this one it? It's crazy because, like I said, Mike Lee's gotten 12 nominations, hmm. and he makes his most uplifting movie possible, and he gets jack shit for it. Is it just proof. If you want awards, you got to make a depressing as fuck movie. <laughs> Schindler's List. <laughs> That's a great. That was the movie. biggest awards bait in history. Oh my god, I'm so getting fired from the internet. You are canceled. I like Schindler's List a lot. Yeah, it's a great comedy. What? Oh, no. No, there are legitimate funny moments in that movie. There are I will, I will moments, stress yes. that. Yes, yeah. there are legitimate funny moments in Schindler's List, for sure. But yeah, so Mike Lee goes to make his one kind of upbeat comedy, and he gets kind of shit on. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just interesting. That, Has that he the made way any that upbeat out. comedy since, or is he just depressed and dour now? I haven't seen Topsy Turvy. Okay. It's about the back uh, behind the scenes of... Um, didn't that get a bunch of Oscar nominations years ago or some uh, Oscar nominations or something? I remember that movie being talked about. I think maybe some awards. But either way, that uh, that movie was um, was something is something I wanted to see for a while. But, yeah, I, don't, I think that one's still kind of dark or whatever. I don't know. Mike, we'll see. You know we'll what? Watch it I think it's kind of dark. Uh, I'm going to end up watching a lot of Mike Lee after these last two movies. Mm-hmm. we still got another one on the list, uh, Secrets and Lies. Nice. So we'll definitely get to that. So before we get to kind of this movie as a whole... Did you have anything you wanted to add before we move on? Because I don't want to shortchange you, Jason. Uh, I don't want to short your change. I don't want to give you short change. I appreciate it. Your is, change is, is, is a cheeky lady a Mike Mike Lee trademark, or is there more cheeky ladies in other Mike Lee movies like uh, like her and Wendy? 
Oh, who else is the cheeky lady? Well, Wendy in, in Life is Sweet, and then... Uh, I feel like Bobby. there's not one in Naked, because no. that movie's a lot darker. <laughs> and the, considering that that movie's cold open as a rape scene. Oh, here's something I thought, too. P- Poppy reminds me of, like, a proto-Kimmy Schmidt. Like, if you've ever seen the show... Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. With, um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Aaron, not Aaron, that's her name. Ellie Kemper. Yeah, Ellie Kemper. Similar kind of approach. Obviously, Poppy hasn't been through the trauma of being a, a religious captive that Kimmy has, but she has a similar, like, very, like, outgoing, positive outlook on life. And obviously, Kimmy Schmidt is a little more of a cartoon, I would say, than uh, this is. Yeah, Poppy's definitely less naive. Yeah, Poppy's definitely less naive than she is, but it's just, it just reminds me of her in the same way, the same attitude, you know? Uh, breakable. And I said that uh, Scott reminded me of Hitler for, well, early Hitler. Later Hitler, that's different. I mean, he wasn't killing anyone in this movie. No, no, exactly. But but Hitler was also a teacher, too. Wouldn't that have been a twist if they had been like, this movie actually took place in 1932? this is is an allegory for Hitler. No, Hitler taught classes um, after the German Revolution. They were trying to reintegrate people into their conservative viewpoint. It was Hitler worked for the army. You know what? He classes to people. Uh, about like German ideology and things he was, like that. He was probably one of those asshole professors that was like, hey, your final's worth 100% of your grade. Uh, well, actually, he was quite liked by his students because he was very passionate in his speaking. Mm. Uh, you know, because you, you've had professors like that, I'm sure, that, 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 that can lecture in a way that is just fascinating to hang on their every word. And then there's other professors that is, you can't stay awake. But Hitler was one of those professors that you could latch onto. So I'll say that about him. Hitler, great teacher. Wanna, maybe maybe not a great politician. You want to go back on that a little bit? No, nope, great teacher, Hitler. <laughs> great teacher, mediocre painter, terrible politician. Mediocre painter? Painter, yes. He, Hitler was a painter. <laughs> Hitler the painter. <laughs> what was a painter? Well, it's like a painter, but if you're a Hitler, you got to be a painter. Okay, I thought you were like, uh, I thought he was like a painter butler com- no. painter butler combination. No, no. I have been drinking, Jason. Yeah, I know. Okay, so shall we kind of wrap this up a little Let's bit? Let's wrap this up. Okay, so I want to say that, that obviously I love this movie a lot more than I thought I could. Now, I guess you could argue the whole angle of like when we talk about it being on the BFI Top 100 yeah. in the future. I mean, you could argue that it's, you could argue against its like influentialness. Mm. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like this being a real departure for Mike Lee mm. And a movie that is kind of unique in the way it has an upbeat character without harping on the dark side of that character. I think it's unique in that way. And I think I will make that argument that it should be on a future list. Well, once we see Secrets and Lies, we can determine whether, uh, if, 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 say, there can only be two Mike Lee movies on the list. I know. Uh, that we could pick one of them, uh, but this, but if if they were to make a new list, this movie would definitely have to be in the conversation. Whether it's on yeah. there or not is 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 irrelevant. It would have to be talked about because it'd be ridiculous if it wasn't mentioned. I mean, if it's between this and Life is Sweet, I don't know. It's a toss up for me because I really like both movies. Life is Sweet has a much more like like prominent cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe that's just because of the time elapsed since it, but it's a much more prominent cast. Nothing against this cast; they're wonderful. Oh. Um, I mean, and, she has to. I mean, the, the rest of the cast is great, but I mean, this is Sally Hawkins' movie. And of course, Life is Sweet has the few fucked up things, the really fucked up things that are uh, you know Oscar bait for sure, and mm-hmm. bait. Uh, Jane Harks and her chocolate smeared all over. Yeah, um, but, Jason uh, made a really weird face right now. <clears throat> Yum. And then he just doubled down on that. But, uh, yeah, the, the, so, yeah, there's definitely a conversation to be had about what should be on the list if you were going to pick two Mike Lee films. Because this one should be in the conversation, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, if you could have five David Lee movies, you can have three Mike Lee movies. You could, very well. There's got to be, I mean, we could, if we knock off The English Patient, we've got room for uh, 
for this movie. I mean, you can knock the English patient, woman in love. I mean, that's the thing is, we knock off the English patient, though. Then we've got well, we've got Sexy Beast, and we've got Happy Go Lucky, and then we might have another movie in the future. I mean, I know you felt different about Gandhi than I did, but I could think of at least five or six movies that I would knock off. Yeah, right there's now. probably five or six that I would kick off there. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. I mean, do we really need to go between on there? Much as I love Julie Christie. There's lots of Julie Christie to go what around on that list. What if we remake this movie with Julie Christie now? Uh, I mean, it'd probably well, be She's lovely. having a lucky, but she just happens to be like in her 70s. Uh, let's do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, happy-go-lucky. I think we both said uh, it deserves to be in the conversation. It is a definite go to the video store and rent it. Mm, it's great. Yeah. But Jason, next week... It's our Christmas special. Very special. Very special episode we've got for you, in store for you folks. We are going to talk about a very uh, a movie that I feel like there isn't any kind of version of this on the list, which yeah. surprises me that there are no straight up Christmas movies on this list. There are certainly other there, movies based on Dickens books. There are horror movies, mm-hmm. a few, not enough, I would argue. Uh the fact that the Hammer Dracula movie is not on here is kind of a sin. And but this movie is not on the list. Well, and the problem Brendan too is that there aren't too many like Christmas movies that could be considered classics in a cinematic sense. There's certainly Christmas classics, but yeah. like to look at a movie to say not only is this a good Christmas movie, this is also just a good movie overall. Wow. Well, there's Bad Santa, sure. A, br- um, a British film? No, no, that's just, just a general example. Okay. That's Bad Santa okay. and, and maybe something like It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is on the AFI. It, and yeah, and I probably should be. I mean, it's nice that there's a Christmas movie there. Yeah. But those, these are legit but, solid movies. By the way, a lot darker than people remember it for oh, yeah, being. For sure. <laughs> Well, I mean, he dies, right? Uh, no. He dies, and then he, but then it turns out he's not dead. Uh, no. That's the whole movie. <laughs> no, he, I think. He's, are you he's thinking alive, of, and then he's not, and then he's you, a zombie, and he meets up with Clarence, and you, then he comes back to life? Are you combining It's a Wonderful Life with Jacob's Ladder? There's a good point. There's a good possibility I might have. I haven't seen Jacob's Ladder, but I bet you I'm still doing it. But what we we're going to talk about next week is we are going to go into the 1951 version of the classic Charles Dickens tale, uh, Scrooge. Starring. That's not what it's called. It is. Is it called Scrooge? It is called it's called Scrooge. It's not called A Christmas Carol? It is not. Wow. It, it is alternate title, A Christmas Carol. Hmm. But it is called Scrooge. And I mean, if I'm wrong, we'll talk about it next week. But it's starring our old buddy Alistair Sim from uh, The Bells of St. Yes, Alistair Sim. And, Sim. And Hermione Baddeley. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> so we'll talk about Scrooge next week. We'll be back in January for a uh, January sixth for a, an audience pick episode. You'll feel you'll hear what that movie is going to be next week, and then after that, we'll wrap up the uh, second batch of twenty movies, and then we'll get into our uh, list of what we thought was the best of those um, many movies. Indeed, All and right. the answer is Women in Love. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna have a naked wrestling match to decide if Women in Love is the best movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get ready. I guess. Wait, it's going to be just audio? Yeah, an audio recording of our naked wrestling match. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, Scrooge. We'll talk about Scrooge 1951 next week. I'm sure you can find it on archive.org or something. Just it's look for there. it. It's out there. It's got to be probably domain by now. Alistair Sim, supposedly the best Scrooge. We're going to find out next we week. Will. Again, I, I, I'm willing to say, I, I want to say out of the gate, it's McDuck. But maybe Alistair Sim can show me that uh, there's a better Scrooge out there. I mean, does Alistair Sim dive into a, a vault full of coins? I've not seen this movie, so I don't know. Okay, well, we'll find out. All right. If that happens, I'm gonna my mind's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so with that being said jason find us on facebook you could search for 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 screen and country oh very uh, standard there you. and you can find jason on twitter at jason d mcleod that's m-a-c-l-e-o-d and if you follow Jason on Twitter, he will just send you pictures of famous monuments to totalitarianism. Oh, absolutely. We got that uh, that cool uh, statue in Stalingrad. We've got pictures of Lenin. We got... Uh... Uh, man, uh, I don't know if there's any statues of Hitler left in the world. I love how I just rattled something random off and you had an answer ready to go. <laughs> you just, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Boggles my mind. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, if you want to follow us on Twitter, our podcast, it's at BFI underscore pod. We are the official BFI podcast. They sponsor this show. We are the official BFI podcast that is not endorsed or even known by the British film. They know all about us. <laughs> They've got spies everywhere. Uh, and then, of course, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. So next week, Christmas special. We're going to talk about Scrooge 1951. But until then, Jason, Brandon. I want to say to you. Say it. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Hey. Let's be happy. No. Happy. No more happy. Happy. Oh, happy. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sunshine, she's here. You can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space. With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way. Interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast. Wait, wait, isn't this playing on somebody else's show? Exactly. So then, how are we? Inter- I thought we were their new favorite podcast. Well, we're going to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show. What's our show called, Justine? Superiority complex. Yeah. Where can they find us, Patrick? Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S O U P Complex, and you can go to Facebook.com slash Soup Complex. But our main page is on Podbean, and you can find us there at www.superioritycomplex.podbean.com. New episodes are out every Thursday. Justine, yes. what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff. Perfect. Don't get all sensual with your voice. Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it. It's a little inappropriate. If you want to hear a little more of that, tune in to the Superiority Complex. One more time, Justine, what do we talk about? Nerdy stuff. Nah, wasn't no. the same. You tried. <laughs>